Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening from. Welcome back to Sophie's Stories, the podcast bringing you original handcrafted stories right into your ear holes. Wow. I really hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Um, it was part of the series, um, Books Are Banned and Why, um, about a book called Despised and Rejected by Rose Alatini. It's a super interesting story. So if you're interested in banned books or um, what's the word I'm thinking of right now? Uh, censorship, then go and have a listen. Um to any new listeners, welcome in. I'm so, so, so glad to have you. You have no idea how excited and happy I am to have you here. And welcome back to any lovely, lovely returning listeners. So today is the beginning of a new series story for you guys. I am so excited to be bringing you this story. Now, um, I will give you a little bit of background on the story, a little bit of exciting news, and then I will get right on into it. Um, So this story is a kind of mid-apocalyptic story. So the apocalypse hasn't happened yet, but we think we might be on the brink of it when this story is taking place. Um, It's a little bit um, mind-bending vibes, conspiracy. I'm just really feeling that lately. I feel like the general mood in the world is a bit like that at the moment. So I don't know. I felt inspired. Uh, so yeah, I re- really, really hope you enjoy it. Um, it's about um, our main character called Jane. Um, she's almost at her thirty. She's had a job for fifteen or so years. She's getting a bit sick of it Um, and this is about her story trying to navigate the world as it changes around her so really really hope you enjoy it obviously there'll be some crime some conspiracy and some mystery involved as with um, most if not all of my stories Uh, but yeah I will let you have a listen in a second but for right now I'm going to tell you some really exciting news so as you know, I post once a week. Um, there, three out of the four episodes a month are the series stories, and one of them is my um, long-running series, which is about banned books. However, for the finale of this um, series, which is named Six, just so you know, uh, for the finale of this series, I will be doing a live reading on TikTok and on Instagram before I post the episode. So if you tune in to either my TikTok or my Instagram, I will give you the times and dates closer to the time, then you will be able to listen to the episode before it drops on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. (laughs) Um, You can listen to it before it drops. So if you're too excited about the finale, then you can simply tune into any of my socials and I will be doing a live reading. But enough of me um, and enough of all the good news I'm bringing to you today. Um, I am very happy to welcome you to my new series story called Six. I really hope you enjoy it. Six. Sunlight crept around the corners of my blackout curtain and swept into the space between my eyelids. Coddled in amongst various fur blankets, I kept my eyes squeezed shut for a few moments more. As I lay quietly, I could hear the rugged hum of cars outside my window, rolling over the tattered tarmac one after the other. It filled me with an assumed dread as usual, but... I decided to open my left eye and paw around in my carpet for my phone. 
chatter from the birds outside alerted me to begin my undertaking of this spring morning. Hundreds of notifications littered the screen and across the various apps. I sighed and clicked the screen off until it turned black and I stared at my tired reflection in the glass. I set it down beside me and swung my legs off the side of the bed. My socks sunk into the thick carpet below and I looked at my hands on my lap, scattered with scars and some open cuts. I stood up, wandered through to the bathroom and slapped my hand over the light switch to turn it on. It flickered for a few seconds before fully illuminating the room and I threw myself onto the toilet. As I relieved myself, the light flickered once more. Like me, I had a feeling it was getting ready to give up. Silently hoping it would stay on for long enough this morning for me to have a shower that was not shrouded in darkness, I got up and let the shower run as I washed my hands. The bags under my eyes had deepened over recent weeks and were a reminder of the consistent weariness I experienced on a daily basis. I removed my socks and stepped into the shower. Various bottles with uniform labels sat neatly on a shelf directly in my eye line. I always had trouble picking the right one in the morning when I was tired. The words on them were in a language I didn't recognise, but they were always delivered on time and for free. So who was I to question it? After standing under the warm water for a few moments, I began to scrub my body. It felt like a purge and was truly one of the only parts of my day when I wasn't working on something, apart from one simple task. Washing. I could literally feel all my thoughts from the previous day running down the drain. Soaked and happy in amongst the steam that had filled the room, I pulled my towel off a rail on the far wall and wrapped it around myself. I shimmied it down the length of my body and then threw it over my hair before tossing it up into a burrito style creation atop my head. Burritos. Now, there's something I'd pay good money for. My stomach growled as I thought about the toppings I could have had on one back on the day. I opened the bathroom door and tiptoed through to the kitchen, which still smelled of toasted bread from the night before. I hadn't seen a dessert in years, but toast and jam was just close enough. So I had it some evenings to prevent me from finally giving up on everything. I turned on the kettle and waited patiently as the aged electric struggled to boil the water inside. I walked across and opened the fridge, filled quite generously with two dinnertime meals and a jug of milk, filled almost to the top. In an ode to my old life, I often made oat milk with water, salt and leftover or rationed oats I had kept back. This also helped with my delivery as I didn't have to take cow's milk every time. As I waited for the kettle to boil, I systematically went into each room, bar one, to open all the blinds and windows. 
With the sun streaming in, it was hard to feel downtrodden. But nonetheless, I was. I looked over at the bridge that lay to the left of the horizon out of my bedroom window. A high-sided army 4x4 raced past and a shiver ran down my back. I hoped it was empty of civilians, but I had a feeling it wasn't, as it seemed weighed down against the tarmac below. My eyes rolled back as I heard the kettle click and walked back through to tend to it. To call what I was about to make tea would be too strong a word. I placed all the necessary ingredients into a small mug and hoped for the best. I realised I hadn't been keeping track of the time this morning and the precise moment I sat down with my warm drink, the siren sounded outside my window in a harrowing, relentless howl. It was signalling the start of the first shift. I hadn't worked the first shift in years, but the sound still made me slightly uncomfortable and I willed it to stop even just a second sooner. When it finally did, I cherished the silence that followed. Drinking my pretend tea, I forced my mind not to think of work, and that was very difficult these days. I had mastered some form of meditation to stop this from happening, which I tried to implement as I unfurled the towel from my hair and lay it over a clothes horse I'd left out the night before. The weight it took off me was a relief. My neck instantly felt better. I had been experiencing bunches of knots across my back and shoulders upon waking and was having trouble getting rid of them. This was the only part of my day that I couldn't feel them at all. I finished my drink and got up to get ready. I unbuttoned my denim overalls and pulled them up over my body, fixing my name tag to my left breast pocket. I checked my phone once more and was immediately overwhelmed by the attempts at communication, so shoved it into my tight back pocket and continued. I was now running about five minutes late, which I'm sure I would come to eternally regret. I locked my front door and the morning sun blasted the skin on the back of my neck between my collar and my ponytail. I could see my overly nosy pensioner neighbour peering through her blinds at me as I walked away. I raised my hand and waved with a sarcastic smile displayed on my face. She disappeared shortly after. I walked over the bridge, ears filled with sounds of roaring engines and crunching surface debris. The pungent smell of pollution caught in my nostrils. And, as usual, I had to refrain from sneezing. I pulled a cloth handkerchief from my bomber jacket and blew my nose. As I looked down into it, it was streamed with black and had some red dots in it. 
This unpleasant sight was not uncommon, but it disgusted me equally every time. I gently folded the cloth and shoved it back into my pocket, breathing a little easier for a moment as I came upon the entrance to the office car park. As I turned to step over the curb, the siren went off again. As I was right under the pole that heard the speakers. The sound pierced through my brain as I unenthusiastically sped up my gate towards the front door. The security guards at the front gate seemed to shake their heads at me disapprovingly as I blasted past them. My boots thumped over the ground one by one and I reached the door dramatically, pulling it open and throwing my belongings and tray on the x-ray machine and waiting to be invited through the metal detector. Most disappointed by the fact I had managed to time this in such a manner that the indoor security guards had just changed shift and the one servicing me now was my work nemesis. No taller than five foot five, with a disgruntled look on his face, consistently, Napoleon syndrome, and little more than the shirt on his back, I assumed, he seemed to want to make my daily life just that little bit more difficult every single day. He held his palm up flat to stop me coming through as he cast his eyes over my belongings in the tree and made a tutting sound. I stepped back and pulled my jacket out of the tree, folded it and laid my bag out a little flatter beside it. He stared at me again as I went to walk through the metal detector. I couldn't hold in my rage any longer and snapped, What is it now? He blinked at me and I saw a small smirk crawl up one corner of his mouth. Separatory, he said slowly. You've got to be kidding me. Another tree? How many trees am I going to have to end up having to put my two belongings in by the end of this year? It was only April, so I shuddered at the thought. I backpedaled again and pulled another tray from the store and separated my bag and coat into them both. He pushed the button to start the belt moving and I walked over to the metal detector, hoping there wouldn't be yet another delay. He flicked his fingers backwards, beckoning me through like he was the crypt keeper, and I wandered through at a leisurely pace as per his previous requests. He ignored me completely and then went to view the x-ray on the screen behind the belt. As I waited, I looked around, worried that there was no one else here. Usually there were one or two stragglers, but today, it was just me. As I waited painfully for my belongings to be given the okay, I could feel my palms sweating profusely. Something was wrong. And I guess I was about to find out what it was. 
I slung my bag over my shoulder and hurried towards a back staircase. I was never too fond of the lists in the building. They were unnaturally cold and the electricity wasn't always working. (laughs) I bound up the stairs and down a long corridor towards our office. As I popped the door open, the silence hit me instantly. There was no one there. I could hear low murmurs coming from somewhere and I searched the office to try and locate them. One of the meeting rooms had the blinds drawn and a do not disturb sign on on the front door. Bingo. I guess. I slowly turned the handle and slid inside, catching my boss's eyeline uncomfortably as I settled into the back wall. I looked forward at the board, filled with paperwork and pictures, and attempted to catch up with today's events. A man I had never seen before, in a jumpsuit that looked like that of a mechanic's, had continued talking as I walked in. And, you know, I don't think I have to remind you all that that this will have to be kept quiet. No one should know about this before it's time, he stated in a dull tone. We received this particular threat every day, so it wasn't completely out of the ordinary. What was out of the ordinary, however, was the look on everyone's faces as they listened in. I could feel a thick tension filling the poorly constructed room from end to end. It made me too uncomfortable to move, to breathe even. What could have gone so wrong? overnight. The meeting ended promptly after this and we all slowly made our way to our desks. The silence was positively suffocating and yet not an environment to thrive in. I tried to catch anyone's eye No one would even lift their head. I pressed the power button on my desktop firmly. Nothing happened. I pressed again, and still the screen stayed black. As I looked at it, irritated, a male hand crept over my fingers and said gently, Jane, I think you'd better come with me for a moment. I looked up and into my boss, Richard's eyes as he stared intently and nodded. I followed him in silence to his own office, sitting down at his desk as he locked the door behind us. Maybe today was the day I was fired from this god-awful place. What a treat that would be. Richard took a seat and opened a singular file on his desk. He was usually light on paperwork, as we did it, but not quite this light. With his head in his hands, he started to speak, although I was having trouble hearing his mumbles. Jane... What I'm about to tell you is going to be difficult to hear, but I'd appreciate you letting me finish and then I can try to answer your questions as best I can. 
convinced now that this was the termination of my employment, I nodded graciously and kept my mouth shut. Richard took a large inhale and sat back. I was growing ever more concerned that he was about to make a musical number out of this experience and my patience was wearing thin. This morning, we had some news just before just before you got here and I have to say it's it's not good hoping he'd get to the point sooner rather than later I smiled and nodded patiently to urge him to continue well you see there was an emergency meeting last night and a message was here for us when we came in. So was David Gosp, the man who was talking to us earlier. It's, um, it's to do with the government. <laughs> it seemed I wasn't about to get fired. But what on earth was Richard talking about? Whatever it was, it sounded grim, as usual. Okay, I offered, bored, and hoping this conversation would be over soon. Well, the government has been... Um, Forced to close. Um, they made the decision last night to cease operations. So they won't be in office from today onwards. This was quite unfortunate as I did work for the government, in case you hadn't realised yet. I continued to look at Richard, hoping he was about to follow on with some next steps. He said nothing. And all that came out of my mouth was, damn. Richard nodded pathetically, as if his life was now over. That's the thing about being a job's worth. What happens when there's no job left? Nothing good. Richard and I sat in silence for a couple of moments. As this sank in for me, I realised just how many people did work for the government these days. Actually, it was most of us. <laughs> what were they going to do without our jobs? Surely someone had a plan. Someone must have had a plan. Worryingly, I had the sneaking suspicion that there wasn't one. Also, one voice in my brain was asking me why I was still sitting there, painfully, with Richard. So, what's next, Rich? I said. He hated when I called him Rich, but that's why I loved it. He groaned slightly and replied, uh, I actually don't know. It was the most honest I'd ever heard him. Okay, so I didn't know. Richard didn't know. Who did know? I slowly stood up, suddenly feeling a sweet sense of freedom creeping over me. 
He stared at me. What are you doing? He asked. Um, I think I might leave, I said. <laughs> my mind hadn't caught up with my mouth yet. What? What do you mean? He asked, incensed. Well, I just mean if I don't work here anymore and you don't work here anymore and no one is paying us, why are we here exactly? He looked at me blankly for a couple of seconds before saying, well, <laughs> they'll fix it somehow. They'll give us instructions. They can't just leave us here. Scared of just how naive his sentiment was, I turned my back and headed for the door. Jane, stay, he begged as I opened it. I just looked back at him and smiled. To be honest, safe in the knowledge that he could no longer micromanage me to death until my retirement. Various heads popped up from their cubicles as I made my way to the exit. Yet no one else said a word. My mind cast back to the security guard as I made my way down the stairs. When I entered the lobby, he was no longer in his miserable spot. He'd obviously had the same idea as me. <laughs> Don't blame him. I walked back up to the front gate where the gatekeeper still stood. They looked at me with an unpleasant look on their faces, but still said nothing. I was quite surprised I was able to get away with quite so little friction, but here I was. I was a little unsure what I would do next, but was quite excited by the prospect of not being confined to a set of uninspiring white walls and tattered desks on a daily basis. I slowly took the walk peacefully back to my house. Although the pollution had worsened since earlier and the roads were blocked up with traffic. I took out my handkerchief and held it over my nose and mouth grateful I had kept it in my pocket. I guess I wasn't the only person to have this idea, and although I was comforted by that, I was beginning to become worried at the prospect of what came next. I wasn't generally a warrior, but this was the rug coming out from under everyone's feet which was kind of never before seen. <laughs> the world was about to change, but for better or for worse, that really was the question. As I continued to walk, I felt like something was pushing me to get home faster. I pulled my key from my jacket pocket and sped up as I saw my front door in my eye line. I unlocked the door and breathed a sigh of relief upon getting inside. I swiftly changed out of my uniform and into something less conspicuous as I realised all the food and drink I had in my house currently was all that I would have for the foreseeable future. I poured myself a glass of water and sat back down on my couch. 
as Mondays go. This one was becoming pretty interesting. I inevitably proceeded to do everything you do on an unexpected day off. I caught up with my reading, listened to music and tidied the house. Dinner time rolled around swiftly and only then did it occur to me that I could check the news to actually find out what was going on. Surely someone would have written a story on it by now. I opened the news app on my phone and was met with a blank page. Strange, my internet was still working. I closed the app and reopened it, only to be met with the same white blank page. The noise of the traffic outside had stopped hours ago and it was completely silent outside. I decided to give it a few hours and I would check up on the news later. Maybe they were having a maintenance issue. I turned on my ancient oven and hoped, as I did every time, that it wouldn't give up today. I pulled out a pre-made dinner from the fridge and was about to open it when I heard a firm knock on my front door. I stopped in my tracks and listened again, trying to make sure it wasn't my neighbour hanging a picture frame or shutting their windows. Then the knocking continued. It was definitely my front door. From the kitchen, I had a good vantage point out of the window on my front door. I took a step forward and peered my head around the doorway slightly to take a closer look. I could see the outline of a figure lit by a street lamp outside but couldn't see any features. The body was relatively small and seemed to be wearing a hoodie, so I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman or otherwise. <sighs> this day was getting weirder and weirder. I took stock of my options for a moment. Maybe it was my old nosy neighbour trying to find out the juicy details of my recent unemployment, of which she inevitably knew. Maybe it was Richard, too ashamed to show his face to his cats at home for fear of ridicule. It was unlikely that it was either. And that scared me. In that moment, I remembered that my mother had recently gifted me with a rather substantial hammer that I now kept under my couch for this precise reason. I slunk around the edge of the doorframe and dove under the couch to grab the hammer. It weighed me down as I stood up and made my way over to the front door. I felt as though I shouldn't announce I was curious, but wait until they said something. So at least I could have a clue as to what was going on here. And why they so rudely interrupted my dinner. I stopped a couple of steps from the front door, hammer in hand, and waited. 
A few more knocks landed on the wood in the meantime. But the person said nothing. After five or ten minutes, I, I don't know which, I wasn't counting, a female voice came from the other side saying, Jane, would you open the door, Jane? It's cold. I didn't recognize it. It sounded far too soft and gentle to be any of the women I knew in my life. I leant down towards the letterbox and replied, Who's there? There was a pause for a moment. Jane, for God's sake, it's cold. They were becoming ever more insistent, and so was I. Who the hell did they think they were? I decided whoever it was was too small to cause me any serious damage, and me and my hammer would be able to subdue her pretty quickly. So, I reached down and flung the front door open. A young woman, no taller than five foot five, brushed past me and straight into my living room, before the word, hey, even got out of my mouth completely. What are you doing? I continued, struggling to look her in the eyes as her hood obscured almost half of her face. Oh, come on, Jane. I'm not going to hurt you. I sighed in disbelief as I watched her make a beeline for my kitchen. Y you know what? That, that sounds exactly like something someone who wanted to hurt me would say. As she opened one of my cupboard doors and started to rummage through the contents, I caught up with her, grabbed her by the shoulder and pinned her up against it, wielding my hammer in a threatening manner, like some kind of scantily clad axe murderer. I still couldn't really see her face, but what I did see, emerging from the shadow cast by her hood, was a wide, deranged-looking smile. And I thought I'd met masochists before. <laughs> her face was slightly dirty, and her skin looked a little oily too. I wanted more than anything to pull the hood off her head, but I no longer had a free hand. She started slowly. Jane, just like I'm not going to hurt you, you're not going to hurt me. Her words made me feel limp and I almost instantly loosened my grip on her body. Taking a couple of steps back, I let myself breathe again and said, Well, will you take that stupid hood off so I can see you? She didn't move for a moment. I looked at her properly for the first time. She was wearing black exclusively. Her military-style boots were caked in mud. I said a silent curse in the name of my freshly mopped floor. She moved her hand, filled with various rings across her face, and slowly removed her hood. I looked at her, confused for a moment. Her button nose, almond-shaped green eyes, and brunette hair looked oddly familiar. 
I couldn't reconcile it. She was still smiling. Who are you? I asked slowly. Her smile grew as we both stood looking at each other. She straightened her back and readied herself to reply. People usually call me Jun. I continue to look at her. To be honest, this information was still useless to me. It meant nothing, but what I did find even more strange was that she didn't say Jun was her name. She just said that's what people usually call her. Meaning, unusually, they called her something else. And why have you come here, Jun? I said her name with a tone of disbelief to alert her to my apprehension. She took a breath and slouched down against my kitchen worktop. I winced at how dirty she was, so close to my dinner. Look, Jane, I've got some things I'd like to tell you. I'd like to tell you, but I don't know whether I can trust you or not yet. Said the woman who had entered my house uninvited. I looked at her and rolled my eyes. How many of these cryptic conversations was I going to be subjected to today before I actually had my one hot meal? Too many, it seemed. Look, June, although I'd love to continue this absolutely riveting conversation, I'm bored. So you're going to tell me just a few things. You're going to tell me your real name, where you came from, where you're going, and why you fucking came to my fucking house. I hadn't realised I was so angered by her behaviour, but apparently so. She laughed, and I picked up my hammer to point it towards her a little. The intention made her stop, and she quickly started to regret her incessant giggling. All right, okay, fine, fine. I'll tell you. But you won't believe me, and you'll definitely be upset. I didn't take my gaze off her and replied, I'll decide. I couldn't believe she was talking to me like this in my own house. Who did she think she was? Well, I guess I was actually about to find out. Jane, will you put the hammer down? She asked. No, I replied sternly. Right, okay, well... Well, first of all, I am really, really sorry to hear you lost your job. That is a pretty crap day already. Was she having a laugh? Who did she think she was? Coming into my house, dirtying my floor and regaling me with commiserations? Thanks, I replied bluntly unwilling to give her any emotion until she exchanged some useful information. With that said, I'm kind of glad you lost your job. Because, well, it means we can maybe team up 
or something like that. She had officially blown my mind. This stranger wanted to team up with me. For what? For trips to the job centre. Although, come to think of it, the job centre didn't exist anymore. And why would I want to team up with you, June? The sense of familiarity I had earlier suddenly crashed through me as she answered, Well, I'm your sister, Jane. I suddenly felt incredibly zoomed in. My sister? There had been a one-child policy in place for decades before I was born. I was an only child. A Rolodex of unanswered questions flipped over and over in my brain. Why did my mum not tell me this? How was my sister still alive? When was she born? There was one question that was already answered, however, and that was her name. It was my birth month, June. I realised I wasn't actually speaking. I was just thinking and staring at her. She looked back at me with a slightly concerned look on her face until the oven preheat alarm broke the awkward silence. I know this is a lot, she offered gently. A lot, I thought. Too much, maybe. I looked over at my phone on the counter and had an urge to call my mum, but decided against it. I needed more. Okay. Let's say you are my sister. When were you born? I had a very close relationship with my mum. I was finding it difficult to believe she would have kept this from me for my entire life. As unsavoury as it was, it was generally understood that people who had almost had siblings would tell a similar accepted story. They didn't make it, it's such a shame, or my parents didn't even think they could have kids. Things of that ilk. It was all pretty much accepted that these made-up stories were truth because it was too painful to face the reality. The reality being that these children were disposed of and returned to their parents as ashes. June started to fidget as she answered, Well, I was born the same the same day as you, she whispered. So, not only was she claiming to be my sister, she was claiming to be my twin. Okay, granted, we looked similar, but not the same. I, I thought twins had to look the same. When's your birthday? I asked. I didn't really need the confirmation. I was just curious what she would say it was, more than anything. June 1st, 1999, she replied. Yep, that was my birthday. 
I motioned for her to go ahead of me into the living room as I took a cursory glance over at my dinner that, fatefully, I would never eat. This was going to take a while to unpack. I invited her to sit, silently, and leant over to place my elbows on my knees as I continued. So, what happened to you? Does does mum know about you? A flash of sadness crossed her face. No, I've never met her. I nodded, urging her to continue. When mum was having us, she had to be sedated. There were some complications, so she had a C-section? I sat back a little as her story began to sound more and more plausible. My mum had had a C-section. I'd seen her scar many times growing up. And when they found out it was twins, they took me away, you know, to, to get rid of me. I couldn't help but feel sympathy for her. It wouldn't have felt good growing up thinking you were a throwaway. A small, empathetic smile crept out onto my face as I listened. And one of the nurses, she was working for my family, secretly, obviously. Um, and she got me out before, before anyone noticed. It had never occurred to me that there were people stowing away discarded children and bringing them up somewhere else. As I looked at her in disbelief, a singular thought was burning in my mind. So irresistible, I couldn't help but let it slip out. So, where did you grow up? She looked at me with a mischievous smile, knowing that I had just asked the question that would change our lives forever. I didn't know that yet but I was sure as hell about to learn. And that, my lovely, lovely listeners, is the end of part one of my new series called Six. So, um... I would love to hear what you think of our main character. Um, she's a little bit more pessimistic than my normal characters, um, but I wanted to play around. I think it's the right choice for her. So um, I'd love to hear what you think of her so far. Um, and I'd also like to know what you think June's intentions are. Are they pure or is she lying? <laughs> I'll leave a poll um, so you can let me know what you think of this episode on Spotify if you're listening there. Um, and yeah, I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm super excited to keep this series going. It's going to be a really exciting one and I cannot wait for the live finale. Um, but as always... Thank you so, so much for listening. I truly appreciate every precious second you give me here because oh, it just makes me feel so good. Um, so I really, really appreciate it. Um, you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Sophie Stories Podcast. Um, I post little book reviews and things like that there. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, then you can pop over there and say hello. Otherwise, I will see you next Wednesday for the second installment of six. And yeah, I hope you all have a fabulous week. And don't forget 
to stay curious. Bye guys. Thank you.